BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Thanks for being here. It is Thursday, May 6, 2021. Today is officially the National Day of Prayer. President Harry Truman issued the proclamation back in 1952. Then President Reagan officially made the actual observance day on the first Thursday in May. Well, here we are, 2021, and the Biden administration has put out their official National Day of Prayer proclamation. And guess what, folks? Not one mention of God. How in the world can you have a National Day of Prayer proclamation without mentioning God at all? Not once. I mean, that's like retelling the story of the Garden of Eden without Adam and Eve. Or like talking about the liberal media and not mentioning Don Lemon. I mean, you get the idea. Of course, leave it to the Biden administration to not only take God out, but instead include climate change and racial justice. Oy. Here's some of what the administration says, quote, prayer has nourished countless souls and powered moral movements, including essential fights against racial injustice, child labor and infringement on the rights of disabled Americans. Hey, folks, this is reading like a memo from the DNC. All right, let's move on. As we continue to confront the crises and challenges of our time from a deadly pandemic to the loss of lives and livelihoods in its wake, to a reckoning on racial justice to the existential excuse me, threat of climate change, Americans of faith can call upon the power of prayer to provide hope and uplift us for the work ahead. Folks, I've got just one hyphenated word for you, and here it is. Oi hyphen gavolt. This is political dribble. Now look, I'm going to be honest with you. I never expected any reference to Jesus coming from this administration proclamation, all right? But I at least expected a reference to God. I mean, how about at least a quote from the Bible? No, of course not. The Bible, prayer, silly me. Instead, we get a quote from Democrat and civil rights icon John Lewis. Here it is, quote, As the late Congressman John Lewis once said, nothing can stop the power of a committed and determined people to make a difference in our society. Why? because human beings are the most dynamic link to the divine on this planet. Hey, that's wonderful. Uh, but memo to the Biden administration, put that in a speech on prompter for Biden, not in a National Day of Prayer proclamation. You know, it really shouldn't surprise anyone that God is not mentioned here because for Democrats, their God is government. Their God is climate change. Their God is a social justice only type God. They conveniently Forget the parts in the Bible that talk about human life being sacred and how traditional marriage is what God intended. And, you know, sometimes Democrats actually leave God out entirely, like they did when two Democrat caucuses at their 2020 convention literally removed the reference to God from the Pledge of Allegiance. Here's one example. Hello, everybody. If you don't have a flag, I have flags here right in front of me. Please place your hand over your heart. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, 
with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And if that wasn't enough, here it is again, just a couple of days later at a different caucus meeting. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Really sad to see, but not shocking. Godless pledges, godless prayer proclamations, and critics would say godless policies coming from Democrats. And the numbers track with the actions. Pew Research shows that one-third of Democrats claim no religion at all. 60% of Democrats, by the way, only attend religious service no more than a few times a year. And by the way, let's not just beat up on Democrats, all right? In America today, overall, church attendance down. Millennials and Gen Zers are less religious than their parents. And look, even some conservative evangelicals are getting caught up in this groupthink and bound to political correctness. No boldness whatsoever. One last point before we go. This didn't happen overnight. Ever since our founding, prayer and Bible reading in school, it was non-controversial. It was common. But two key turning points in the early 1960s changed everything. 1962, the Angle versus Vitale case, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled school prayer was unconstitutional. Then, the following year, 1963, the case Abington School District versus Shemp, the court ruled Bible reading unconstitutional as well. And that was the beginning of the demise, because then came the 60s radicals, including drugs, free love, Woodstock, the Clintons go to college, rules for radicals, Saul Alinsky, so much more. And well, here we are, a society that has turned their back on God, and it's no surprise that we're suffering the consequences. I want to get some perspective on all of this now from Pastor Brian Gibson with Peaceably Gather. Uh, Pastor, what is your take on the Biden administration's godless prayer proclamation? Well, it doesn't shock me at all that that the name of the Lord or Jesus or God uh, wasn't included in this proclamation and that climate change was. Mm. And let me tell you why, that there's a flip here. The script has been flipped. A script has been flipped all throughout America in our school systems where we're teaching our children not that God is good, not that God is just, not that God is right, but really that the planet, the world, uh, instead of worshiping Father God, they want you to worship Mother Earth. And so we know in the book of Genesis, the pinnacle of God's creation is man. He makes man on the sixth day. That's the pinnacle. Seventh day he rests. They want to turn that narrative to where the earth is the pinnacle of everything. It's a Mother Earth theology. And now man is not the answer. Man is not made in the image of God. Man is an infection in their eyes that's doing damage to the earth. That, that, that is their God. That's what they want. So that's why they feel good about killing the unborn. The, the man is hurting the earth. It's why they feel good about um, taking children and making them unable to procreate through all of the transgender type actions. Listen, Biden is, is simply his ethos, his thought, his theology. It is not Christian. It is not Catholic. And uh, if I were in charge of the Catholic Church, if I were the pope, I personally would deny him the sacrament. In their theology, the sacrament is salvation. You cannot have a theology like him and a spouse to be a Catholic and it to be all right. This is not Christianity. This is more woke Trojan horse 
trying to redefine what the faith has been for 2,000 years. Yeah. It's par for the course for the no, Biden administration. A hundred percent, Pastor Gibson. And, and here's the other part. The social justice aspect of this really gets to me because everything is cloaked in social justice. It's like that is their gospel. It's like they have a cherry-picking God of some sort, Mother Earth God. That's what they're, I mean, that's what they do. They, so I'm just curious to get your take on, on the social justice aspect of all of this. Well, they use the social justice uh, aspect as an armbar to make uh, more timid or weaker Christians to submit. Because if you won't bow down, if you won't say yes, your social uh, justice agenda, your your um, systemic racism agenda, all of those things are right. Now you're going to be a racist, right? You're going to be a white Christian nationalist. You're going to be all these things, and nobody wants to be called that. So they've found it's one of the most powerful weapons they can use to not just silence conservatives, but but to silence common sense people, right? Uh, they've learned that. They use it. Man, it's strategic. And uh, you don't agree. You're one of the is, right? You're a racist. You're a nationalist. You're a whatever, whatever it may be they tag you with. And we just got to learn to not care about the labels, uh, David. If we're going to have a biblical Christianity, we just got to roll on and say, call me what you will. I stand with the scripture. Well, I 100% agree with you. And so here's my, as we kind of wrap up here, here's my final question. What, what's the answer here? Because we know the uh, policies from the Biden administration are not the answer. And this just into everybody that supports Trump. We know that Trump is not the answer. In other words, it's not wrapped up in politics. It's not wrapped up in government. It's not wrapped up in policies. What is the ultimate answer? How do we get back to, be, to becoming this nation that we once, once was, which is a Judeo-Christian nation? Yeah, we have to get back to the scripture. Uh, the, the founding documents, two-thirds of the people that wrote them had divinity degrees. This was formed a Christian nation. So we have to get back to the basics. And by the way, David, we're doing something about it this weekend in Dallas, Texas. Tell me. Allen, Texas, actually. I got a faith and freedom rally where there'll be pastors like myself, multiple pastors, also uh, different political people that'll be coming uh, and speaking about the truth of Christ and the truth of the Constitution. And anybody from the DFW area that wants to come, they can go to fnftickets.com, fnftickets.com. We're going to tackle this topic, and we're not leaving alone because I'm not going to watch America plummet into godlessness on my watch, I'm going to do everything within my power to stop it. And I think it starts with mobilizing people to push back. And come on, we've got to do something coming this midterm. Pastor, it, it's so important. Pastor Brian Gibson, uh, spoken uh, boldly, which is exactly what we need. Thank you, Pastor. Great to see you, sir. Hey, thank you, David. Uh, great stuff, uh, for, for sure. Look, uh, we know back in the Revolutionary War days of this country, there was a black robe regiment. In other words, pastors speaking from the pulpit about the moral, cultural, political issues of the day. That's gone. It's not happening like it should, and that is a very big problem in America. It starts at the top with leadership. It's important that pastors get engaged. That's what Pastor Gibson's doing. There are many other pastors who are doing it, but not enough. So we've got all of that to think about. Back in a moment. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to the water pool, everybody. President Trump may no longer be in office, but MAGA 
is alive. As a matter of fact, it's actually more alive now than ever. I was talking to sources down, uh, how do I say this, at Mar-a-Lago uh, that are close to the president uh, who say the, the, the MAGA version right now, this MAGA 2.0, is probably even bigger and better than the original MAGA. So let's talk more about that with Kylie Jane Kramer, Executive Director of Women for America First. Kylie, great to have you back on the show. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's talk about MAGA. You've got some news that, that is hot off the presses, if you will. Uh, MAGA's coming back, and uh, why don't you explain a little bit about what is in store? We're so excited, David. We put out about a week ago that we will be hosting a huge July 4th event, and we are excited to announce today that we will be hosting it in Des Moines, Iowa, America's heartland, and it's going to be just basically a massive festival for every Americana-loving person across the United States that wants to come and bring their friends and family. We're gonna have amazing speakers, huge musical acts. There's gonna be a car show. I mean, just everything Americana, because you know Joe Biden wants us to sit at home in our backyards with our face masks on and maybe be able to invite our families over, and we're not gonna do that. We want to celebrate America's Independence Day, and you know we're really excited to bring people back together and to we're all just ready to get life back to normal, and we want to celebrate America's birthday. Yeah, and by the way, thanks a lot, Joe Biden, for letting me for telling me that I can have a picnic with my family possibly on July Fourth. Give me a break, anyhow. Don't get me started on that. All right, so so who's going to be? Who are some of the headliners? Do you have some headliners there yet? I mean, who's going to who's going to be part of this? I can't let you know just yet, but oh. you are not. I miss this. Um, everything will be posted at magafest.us as it is announced. Like I said, we just are announcing today that Des Moines, Iowa is where it's going to be. It's going to be July 1st through July 4th in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, and we just cannot be more excited. And so everybody needs to go to magafest.us for all details as they are released. All right. So let's talk a little bit about where MAGA goes from here. I mean, you know, we all know about January 6th and all of that stuff. But now, now here we are in uh, whatever it is, May of 2021. Where is the MAGA universe today? What's your sense of the, the motivation, the energy, the engagement, and all of that? Well, you know, David, we were the ones that held the rally. Women for America First held the rally at the Ellipse where President Trump spoke. Um, and obviously, we've seen how those events have played all out. We're still talking about January 6th. But we actually just held a conference at Trump Doral in Miami where people from all over the United States came. It was a smaller but more intimate conference. And people are just really tired of being shamed for supporting the president, for believing that there was this election, that there was fraud involved. And we want to bring people together. So our next event will be this July, um, like I said, the MAGA Fest. And people want to come together to start planning for the 2022 election and 2024. And so that's what we're focused on, is bringing people together to talk about how to go back into their local communities to make change, to make sure that we have a free and fair election process, and to support candidates who are pro-America first. Hey, let's talk a little bit about these election integrity laws. I know the media loves to call them voter suppression laws. It's so ridiculous. I mean, the media is taking their, their talking points right from uh, the DNC. But uh, Ron DeSantis is out today, the Florida GOP governor. Uh, he has signed into law a measure that basically to further secure the state's uh, voting system. Uh, what, what do you make of what's happening in Florida and Georgia? And we're starting to see it in Texas and around the country. I mean, are, are you feeling more confident now than you were, let's say, six months ago about what's being done on the election integrity front? 
Yes, certainly. Um, you know, the whole thing about January 6th was that we wanted Congress to be able to discuss the election and talk about the integrity of the election and bring the evidence to the floor. Well, we never saw that. Um, and so what some of these governors are doing, like you just mentioned, Governor DeSantis, that is one of the most important things. If we do not have free and fair elections, it doesn't matter what anybody's policies are because we will not have our vote count. Every vote needs to be counted. Every legal ballot that's cast needs to be counted. And I think leading into 2022 that these governors need to focus on this, these state legislatures to make sure that we don't get into another situation that just happened this past November. And I think not only with Americans across the United States, but specifically with our supporters, this is one of the main issues that we'll be focused on. You know, Donald Trump uh, recently put out that statement about the big lie. You know, it'll be henceforth known 2020, uh, the election, as the big lie. Uh, it does put Republicans and conservatives all in, in this, uh, not a predicament, but it basically, it's a time for choosing. I mean, what, was it a big lie, this election, or, or are you just going to say that there was no there there? And I, I just wonder what you make of what he said about the big lie. Well, I certainly agree with him. I think that most Americans do, but most Americans are scared to say anything, mm -hmm. to voice their opinion because of cancel culture, the backlash on social media and big, big tech censorship. So I certainly agree with him. I know millions of Americans support him and it's not really a choice of whether you believe it or not. It's about having members in Congress that stand up for what people in their districts feel and say yeah. and, and they believe about the election. Uh, you know, a quick follow-up to that, that shaming comment you made earlier, because I think you're 100 uh, percent correct. I think people uh, that supported this president and were concerned about election fraud and all of that and still stand by and say the big lie, kind of what you're saying now, you know, the, the, the media in this country and the liberals want to put a scarlet letter on you and everybody else that continued to say that. Uh, and, and it really is, I think, a disservice to what they're, to, to tens of millions of Americans who feel that this was not on the up and up in 2020. Absolutely. And, you know, we just saw it with Facebook's permanent ban, I believe, um, the oversight board with President Trump's account. And we're seeing this on the local level, you know, just normal average Americans. I was the one that started the Stop the Steal Facebook group that grew very quickly and spread like wildfire. And they censored me and then MailChimp and then so many other big tech companies, Anadot and Eventbrite. And so we're seeing this all over that it's infiltrating normal everyday Americans lives. And if people don't start speaking up and having their voice heard and getting engaged in the election process, then we're going to continue to see this at all facets where it's going to be changing people's dynamics in their family, affecting their livelihoods. And people need to get engaged and stay focused because we need free and fair elections so that we can be a part of the process. Yeah, for sure. 20 seconds or so. But you're saying that, in essence, they're trying to muzzle you is what they're trying to do. They're trying to drown your voice out. Absolutely. And we need fighters in Congress to stand up and actually do something about this. I'm really excited to see that Liz mm -hmm. Cheney is probably going to be stripped from leadership um, because she yeah. has been out there not toting what the American people want. It's not that she's attacking Trump. It's that she's attacking the 75 to 80 million voters that voted for him and that stand for free principles, free markets and yeah. to have their voice heard. Tyler Jane Kramer, really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. The executive director of Women for America First. Des Moines, July 1st or July 4th. Be there or be square. And can I get a corn dog? If I, can I go there, can I get a corn dog? 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. I tell you what, you know who's taking an Excedrin right about now? The, the pro-abortion lobby in America. Uh, they, they are, uh, they're up against it. They're having some hard time at state legislatures around the country. A lot of pro-life legislation getting passed. Uh, and <laughs> why am I laughing? Well, they're frustrated about it. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, let's bring in Lila Rose. Uh, I've known Lila for a very long time, founder of Live Action. She is now author uh, of the new book, Fighting for Life. And boy, has she been doing that for a very long time. I'm not going to date you, Lila, but uh, great to have you here on the show. Thanks, David. It's great to be on. Well, let's start with the book. Uh, talk to me about uh, the reasons for writing the book. You have a lot of stories, uh, not just with live action and what you've been through, but really in, the, in your personal life. And, and, and I'm just curious to kind of get that 30,000-foot view of, of why you wrote the book. Of course. So I wrote it because I think we're at a crossroads as a country. And more than ever, we, people of faith and people of conviction and moral clarity need to stand up and fight for what's right, especially for the vulnerable. So I share 15 years, uh, starting as a teenager, of getting involved, starting my organization, building it now to a global leader for the human rights movement of the pro-life movement. And how I learned along the way, the lessons I learned, the mistakes I made. And so I wrote Fighting for Life as a guidebook for anybody who feels inspired or called or convicted that they need to get in the fight and do something for whether it's the pre-born and on abortion or really any cause that's tugging at their heart. Yeah, for sure. You say in the book, there's a line here, you say, knowing the truth ourselves is not enough. We have to wield it as a weapon. Talk to me about that. What, what, did, you, what did you mean by using the, the truth, in essence, wielding it as a weapon? So if you see something wrong that's happening in society, something that's troubling you, and you understand why it's wrong, you've done your research, you're, you're able to um, even explain it to yourself, and, and, and it's, it's, not, it's something that's been bugging you, and maybe you're really trying to deep dive, why is this thing bugging me? It's really concerning me in society. Um, that's a gift. That's a gift of moral clarity that you've been given. And other people may not have that. You know, there's a lot of confusion in our culture today, whether it's about, you know, transgendering children or aborting, you know, 2,300 kids a day daily, which is the daily abortion rate, or whether it's around um, faith or freedom or sexuality. There's so much confusion. And so we, when we have the truth, can use that truth as a weapon, not to hurt other people, but as a weapon to overcome evil and to help set other people free simply by lovingly sharing that truth with others. So in that sense, um, when we've been given the gift of moral clarity, we have a calling to share it with others. Lila, what is this, uh, how cathartic was writing this book? Because you've been through a lot, uh, live action. Uh, you started it at a very, I guess, young age, if you will. And here you are and seeing where you have come, where the movement has come. What, what, what was that all like for you? It must have been pretty pretty therapeutic in a way, too. <laughs> um, I, I was joking with you earlier. I gave birth to my first child last year, and writing the book was harder. I mean, it was hard to give birth. It was even harder to write this book. Um, and that's because, you know, I, I really wanted 
to encapsulate what I've learned and the struggles and the triumphs um, and get, make them tools for other people. And I did have to go down some deep memory lanes. You know, I've shared some very personal things about struggles I had, you know, mental health struggles and, um, you know, even self-harm struggles as a teen and um, some of the mistakes that I've made because part of the message is this, it doesn't matter the mistakes you've made or the struggles you have. You have a gift to give the world. Mm. You have a difference to make in the world. And, you know, there's a lot of evil in the world. There's a lot of problems, but, um, and we have woundedness in our own hearts, but we can make a good difference. And the good difference is being made now and we can join it. You know, the pro-life movement is experiencing unprecedented gains right now. I know we, we can yeah. talk about that. And we can be part of that to change our country. The country doesn't have to go down the toilet, you know? Sure. Um, the culture doesn't have to be destroyed. We can rebuild this country and make it better and more beautiful. Well, let's talk about uh, uh, some of these pro-life victories, by the way. Uh, the Guttmacher Institute uh, is, is frustrated. <laughs> uh, they say this, 2021 is on track uh, to become the most devastating anti-abortion state legislative session in decades. Uh, your reaction to that, Lila? Um, it's awesome. And, you know, as I was writing Fighting for Life, I was looking at the last 10 years of the movement. And, you know, we have seen abortion decline in the last 10 years um, un in an unprecedented way, um, just like Planned Parenthood is complaining. And just the last two years, all this grassroots passion has led to unprecedented pro-life legislation at the state level. Um, we have seen millions of people touched with the message of life becoming pro-life. I mean, live action, that's our job is to change hearts and minds and reach people. So there's amazing things happening and it's very encouraging. I mean, you're not gonna see this on the media headlines. You know, they're gonna just talk about Joe Biden is a Catholic grandpa and he's pro-abortion. I mean, they totally don't understand um, the value of life, but I strongly believe that there's a deep renewal happening in our country. We can be a part of that. And we're going to see big political changes even beyond the state level in the years to come. Lila, before, before I let you go, I've got to ask you about some headlines today in the justthenews.com uh, uh, area. And this, the, the website has put up something about uh, Anthony Fauci. Apparently $400,000, uh, his agency spent over this amount on experiments grafting aborted fetal scalps onto mice and rats. I mean, it just doesn't, I mean, Fauci, talk about bad headlines. He's had a lot of them. This is another bad one. Well, I mean, Fauci, of course, is one of the leaders at the National Institute for Health, a government agency, and um, they're responsible for spending tens of millions of dollars of taxpayer money to buy the, the aborted body parts and bodies of fetuses, human children, you know, children that are that, that deserved a right to live and, and butchering their bodies to use their organs for medical experiments. And one of the ones you just referenced, I mean, it's so horrific. They took the hair off of a little boy. Um, who'd been killed, they scalped him and they they grafted that, that child's hair onto a mouse for one of their grotesque experiments. So this is um this is modern day America, but the more people find out about it, they are angry and disturbed. So thank you for reporting on it, David. And the more we report on it, the more we can change public opinion and hold Fauci and the National Institutes for Health, the federal government accountable for these crimes against children. For sure. And as we wrap up, I got about 20 seconds. Tell people where they can find the book. I guess, is this where you say wherever books are sold? I don't know. How, yes, how does that go? Wherever books are sold, fighting for life, wherever books are sold. And <laughs> I hope it is encouraging and inspiring for you as you get in the fight to change America and also become better people ourselves.
For sure. Lila Rose, uh, really great to see you. And by the way, I love the fact that you have the book literally right there. That way, <laughs> Always. That is impressive. Always. That's called multitasking. Lila Rose, great to see you again. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for having me, David. All right. Uh, boy, I tell you what, uh, we go back uh, and uh, did a feature on her for CBN The 700 Club. And uh, I mean, talk about salt of the earth. I mean, you know, what you see is what you get. She is as down to earth as you can imagine. Like literally, if you go to the dictionary, here I go again to the dictionary. I don't go to the dictionary often, but when I do, you look at down to earth and boom, Lila Rose's uh, a face pops out and it's like a pop-up dictionary or something like, or anyhow, back in mind. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Did you know there was election fraud in Wyndham, New Hampshire? President Trump, former President Trump, knows that as well. He put out a statement about it today. Congratulations to the great patriots of Wyndham, New Hampshire, for their incredible fight to seek out the truth on the massive election fraud which took place in New Hampshire in the 2020 presidential election. The spirit for transparency and justice is being displayed all over the country by media outlets which do not represent fake news. People are watching in droves as these patriots work tirelessly to reveal the real facts of the most tainted and corrupt election in American history. Congratulations, Wyndham. Look forward to seeing the results. Well, you know what we look forward to? Actually speaking to Heather Mullins, Real America's Voice correspondent who is all over that Wyndham, New Hampshire election fraud up there. We spoke to her earlier this week. Have a look. Heather, good to see you. Uh, glad you're here in Washington, D.C. Yeah, happy to be here in person. Wow, uh, that makes two of us. <laughs> all right, so look, I, we've talked about this off air. I mean, I don't know how your head doesn't explode with all of this stuff, but now let's get out of Georgia for a moment because you've been in Georgia a lot, but now in New Hampshire. Kind of give us, run us through what's happening there because this is a big deal. I mean, Corey Lewandowski, who lives in New Hampshire, I mean, he's kind of alerting Trump to all of this. I mean, what, what's happening here? So basically what happened is in this past election, a Democrat running for a local state rep race lost by 24 votes. So New Hampshire law actually entitles her to a hand recount. Mm -hmm. So they did a hand recount specifically looking at just that race. And what they discovered was that all of the Republicans in that race had actually gained an additional 300 votes. And she actually lost an additional 100 votes. Mm -hmm. So the machine in this tiny little town of Wyndham, uh, of the 10,006 votes, screwed up about 1,000 of them. So that's a 10 to 11 percent discrepancy, the largest in New Hampshire's history. And so initially the selectmen there had reached out to the attorney general and the secretary of state to investigate, but they refused saying that the outcome wouldn't have been any different. Mm. Mind you, the, if it's something wrong with the machine, the machines are used in 85% of New Hampshire counties. So right. this was a big concern. And Senator Bob Guida had actually sponsored Senate Bill 43, which would require the Attorney General and Secretary of State to investigate. And that passed unanimously through the Senate. Uh, all 10 Democrats and 14 Republicans unanimously agreed upon it, passed the House unanimously, mm -hmm. ended up on Governor Sununu's desk, signed into law. So okay. jumping right in, right. what it says is they have to pick a three-person election investigations team to look into this. Mm -hmm. The first person on that team gets chosen by the Attorney General and the Secretary of State. Okay. The second person gets chosen by the Wyndham Town Selectmen. And the third person gets jointly selected by their two designees. Okay. So where, where are we in terms of the controversy here? Because I understand there is some controversy as to who was selected first uh, as it relates to what, what there was a company. I can't, don't Verified know. Verified voting. Yeah, that's right.
verified voting, who basically said there was nothing to see here, right, in some of the other states that they were involved in in terms of yes. audits, right? So that caused the Wyndham folks to in New Hampshire to say, wait a minute here. Yeah, so Wyndham Town Selectmen had mm -hmm. a meeting uh, a week ago yesterday, mm -hmm. um, and basically what they ended up doing was picking a guy named Mark Lindeman of Verified Voting. Mm -hmm. uh, he got three of the five board members to choose him. Okay. Well, I ended up tweeting out after the fact I came across a letter he had sent to the Arizona Senate asking them to stop their audit, saying basically audits have already been done and any further audits would stoke conspiracy theories. Mm. Uh, and they also criticized Cyber Ninjas, the group doing the audit out there. Uh, but what was interesting is, as I had as you know, been working in Georgia, and mm -hmm. turns out Verified Voting had actually worked with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger doing risk-limiting audit pilots and stuff like that, and two of Verified Voting board members had actually resigned. They were scientific experts on the board, one of which was UC Berkeley professor Phil Stark, who actually invented the risk-limiting audits back in 2007 and wrote papers with this Mark Lindemann guy. And so they left citing that they were authenticating, you know, uh, untrustworthy voting machines. Mm -hmm. They were saying that the risk limiting audit procedures were being misrepresented to the public. Mm -hmm. And he had called on the president at the time to release truthful statements and she would not. Right. So this is the guy now from Verified Voting running New Hampshire's audit for Wyndham County and residents lost their minds. Okay, but 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 there's been kind of another development, right? There's a what a computer kind of an official computer hacker guy yes. <laughs> who is now come in as one of the what one of the three slots available. Mm -hmm. yeah, so yeah, tell, yeah. tell because that's a big deal too now. Yeah, so this in a good way. I think it's a we good think. way. So it's it's good. He certainly has the skill set. The okay. gentleman's name is Harry Hursty and he okay. was the designee chosen by the Secretary of State and the Attorney General. Mm -hmm. Now he's known for what's called the Hursty hack because HBO did a documentary back mm -hmm. in 2006, I believe, mm -hmm. where he successfully had gone in and hacked one of the AccuVote Diebold machines. He programmed a memory card with malicious software and it went in and changed the votes and they did mm -hmm. it all on camera. Um, so he certainly has a skill set to go in and find out. But here's the question, mm -hmm. is we're dealing with integrity. We want to make sure that whoever goes in not only has the skill set, but is going to report them honestly. Right. And we're living in times where money corrupts people. And mm -hmm. I think what's most important is that whoever goes in is going to be transparent, is going to be honest, because otherwise it's mm -hmm. a wasted investigation if nobody has faith in the outcome. Yeah, so talk to me about the President Trump aspect of all of this, because everybody here is Wyndham, New Hampshire. Like, wait a minute, New Hampshire, hold on. I thought it was about Georgia and other other states. But but this is a big deal, because Corey Lewandowski, right? I mean, he's from New Hampshire. He's so from he, Wyndham, actually. Oh, is he from Wyndham? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, this is his town. Oh, OK. Well, even more <laughs> so then. OK, so he's obviously keeping the president up to date. And my understanding is the president is taking an interest and what's happening in New Hampshire, that's a big deal. Yeah, it's certainly a big deal. I mean, when you have 10 to 11% of the numbers not <laughs> reflected, uh, the hand count showing the machine was off by, and these machines are used in 85% of the counties. In fact, they're also used in Maine, New Hampshire, uh, Massachusetts. So mm -hmm. LHS Associates runs these machines, and they're in all of those states. So it's mm -hmm. the number one voting machine company in New England. Yeah. And so it is a big deal when, you know, these machines are flipping 10%, 10 to 11% of the vote. Yeah, you know what's really frustrating is we kind of have less than a minute left, but the, the Democrats so he's talking about these voter suppression laws. Voters, I, it drives me insane because how about we call them what they are, election integrity laws. And it's just, and, and, and the media just goes with voter suppression laws in their copy. It's like, it's like Democrat talking points. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think uh, something synonymous with election integrity should be journalistic integrity. And that's something we're not Absolutely. seeing in America right now is people, uh, honest journalists. I mean, when I was in Georgia, 
the, the status quo for the mainstream media was to show up to Raffensperger's press conferences, take everything he said as the ultimate truth, and then go back to their studios and report it. Mm -hmm. I was actually on the ground at all the election board you know, uh, offices filming, asking them questions, digging a little deeper, finding out what truly happened on a grassroots level. And I think we need more of that. And that's you know, what's going to, what I hope to bring to Real America's Voice through covering all of these uh, investigations nationwide. Yeah, for sure. You've done just some amazing, amazing work, really, uh, not just in Georgia, but all over the country. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a what you're doing is patriotic. Uh, and so really appreciate you asking the right questions and, and not only just not taking no for an answer, but, but this idea of like, hey, let's get to the bottom of it. And I really appreciate you. Absolutely. Appreciate you too, David. Couldn't uh, do it without you guys. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> that. All right. Heather Mullins, appreciate you. Our Real America's Voice correspondent. All right. We're coming back next with a lot more show. Stick around. We'll see you in a moment. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Time for the last sip. And I want to be uh, just a straight up at the beginning of the segment. I want to apologize if he's watching uh, to Christopher Columbus. I don't think he's watching. I think he's dead. Uh, but if he were watching or any of his descendants, we here at the Water Cooler want to apologize because he's been canceled. He's not even, even been thrown into the harbor. Remember that in Baltimore when he was thrown into the harbor, the statue? Boom! He was gone. Yeah, okay, well now guess what? New York City Public Schools officially, ay, 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 officially canceling Columbus Day, replacing it with Italian Indigenous Peoples Day. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> really? Why am I laughing? It's not funny. It's not funny at all. Christopher Columbus, uh, gone, the latest victim of cancel culture. But then again, this coming from a country like, for example, out in San Francisco, where they had, what was the Abraham Lincoln High School or some sort of school, and they wanted to rename it because Abraham Lincoln, naughty, naughty, don't solve slavery. Don't end slavery, Abraham Lincoln. Bad, bad president. Speaking of presidents, by the way, uh, what are we going to do now? I mean, we've got Washington's birthday, George Washington. In case you didn't know, Gen Zers, uh, it's George Washington, our first president. George Washington's birthday is a holiday, a federal holiday. Well, Christopher Columbus Day, Columbus Day is a federal holiday. But now George Washington's birthday is a federal holiday, so hello. Why are we not canceling that? And by the way, everybody calls it President's Day. Uh, you know, technically, just so you know, it's not President's Day because I'm looking right here. And it actually says that uh, there was a, an act that made it uh, President's Day. However, officially, technically, it is still a federal holiday, and it's called George Washington's birthday. So, just so you know. Uh, so, what, are you going to cancel that? So, uh, knock yourself out. No, don't knock yourself out. As a matter of fact, knock yourself unconscious if you're going to do that, because that's ridiculous. Uh, so, there's that. Oh, and by the way, how about this for you liberals? I shouldn't tell you liberals this if you're watching. Uh, but did you know Ronald Reagan Day is an actual holiday in 40 states in this country? Ronald Reagan Day. So I can't wait for the Joe Biden Day. How about that? Joe Biden Day in New York and California. Where else? Madison, where else? Some other liberal cities uh, New York, or your state. New York, California, Illinois is one for sure. So how about that? Joe Biden Day. How about that? Let's celebrate Joe Biden Day and go to vaccines.gum where you can get, uh, you know, a free Joe Biden bobblehead or something like that. Anyhow, the whole thing is just ridiculous. It's really all I have to say in this segment other than uh, I'm, I'm honestly just disgusted. And this is where we are in America, where we're literally canceling Christopher Columbus and the Washington Redskins or the Washington football team. Oh, my God. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. It is the end of the show, and that means two words. Well, 
All right, anyhow, I, I was going to say a funny line. I realized it really wasn't going to be funny. Uh, Joe Weber is here. That's, that's two words. Joe Weber, uh, news editor, justthenews.com. Joe in the amazing Technicolor newsroom. Hey, Joe, uh, good to see you, by the way. Likewise. How are you? you be I believe that. You said likewise. I believe that. Uh, all right, uh, Liz Cheney. So what's the, how's the whip count go, going there, uh, Joe? Okay, really quick, Liz Cheney update, as everybody knows, uh, she's a number three House Republican, conference chairwoman, trying to oust her largely because her ongoing Trump fight with President Trump over election balloting has become a distraction for the party or the caucus in its effort to try to win back the House. So Jim Jordan, founding member of the Freedom Caucus, is now saying the votes are there to have her ousted. Now, what's interesting is that Jim Jordan is not the whip, right? That's Scalise, <laughs> right? He's, He's supposed to do the whip counting. Now, I think this is a little bit, I'm not going to doubt um, Mr. Jordan, Congressman Jordan, but I do think there's a little bit of gamesmanship here. If you remember in February, um, Congresswoman Cheney survived a vote, a no faith vote, a secret ballot by a number of 145 to 61. Now, that's a pretty large number, right? So when you say you have the votes, uh, if you maybe on the line or maybe it's very, very close, just to come out that. Now, Nancy Pelosi, House Speaker, is a master at this saying, I have the votes and member might say, well, gee, he's got the votes. I better, you know, vote on the right side of the uh, of history here. I think a little gamesmanship going on with him here. One other interesting point point out that they're um, putting up at least Stefanik as a uh, replacement for her. She's the New York Congresswoman. And they take a look that a lot of people have been touting this idea that Heritage Action, which is the political action arm of the Heritage Foundation, the conservative group, they scored her out most recently 48%, which is an F on the, you know, on its ballot yeah. Compared to Cheney, who was 82. So just a point in fact well, there. For, for sure. And Marjorie Taylor Greene was on this show yesterday. And she says, I like uh, candidates with passing grades, not failing grades. So that was a swipe at Stefanik. Uh, by yeah. the way, I got about 20 seconds. But uh, on that whip count or the final vote, don't, don't they need two-thirds to get rid of her? I think it's two-thirds of Republicans. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be tough. I think it really is going to be tough. 145 to 61, you're going to have to flip a lot of people. Yeah, for uh, sure. A lot of people become disaffected, but that's a pretty large number. Yeah, for sure. I'll do the math in the break. All right, Joe, good to see you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that's Joe Weber and the amazing Technicolor newsroom, uh, as we like to call him there. Uh, he's got a coat of many colors. He's got, oh, okay, enough of that. All right, tomorrow on the show, guess who's back? <laughs> Carol Baskin is back. The CEO of Big Cat Rescue. You know you love it. See you tomorrow.